we would have a portion of people say over 50, over 60 in their 30s, 20s, it really spans the whole generational group, which is amazing because everyone deserves to feel that good. And like you said, there's so much rooted in that confidence. Welcome to the Brave Bold Brilliant Podcast. I'm here today with Amy Connolly. Now, Amy is an absolute demon in the world of beauty, well-being. She is the founder and CEO of Sculpted by Amy and has got quite a few different aspects to the business. So, Amy, lovely to see you. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to chat. Oh, fantastic. No, and we've actually done quite well at getting this in the diary, given that you have just recently got married. So congratulations on your new marriage. Thank you. I know the small project of a wedding in the midst of trying to run a business at the same time. Um, we had a great time, but it feels very much in the distant history already. And it's only been a few weeks. Oh, bless you. Well, listen, maybe we can talk about how do we balance the pressures of business with relationships? That could be a topic that we get into. Um, but Amy, you've had a really fascinating kind of early start to your career. And, you know, you're still very young. You've got a, a long road ahead of you, but you've achieved so much in a very short time. So do you want to just give us a bit of background on, you know, your passion, how life started for you, where you are now? And then we're going to really take it from there. Absolutely. Um, I'll take you quite far back. So I turned 30 this year. So I'm going back to when I was 16. Um, and the reason why I go back this far is it's really what ignited my passion for beauty. And although I was like always a girly girl, loved makeup, you know, get ready for discos. I never thought, oh, I'm going to work in cosmetics or beauty. And I was doing my two weeks work experience in fourth year um, in Ireland. You just go on a work placement and you kind of learn different bits and life skills and I did it in House of Fraser with Urban Decay at the time and I absolutely adored it so they actually offered me a part-time job every Saturday and Sunday and I discovered that I not only loved beauty I loved selling I loved working with people I loved being around different personalities and making people feel good when they left the counter so I had finished my studies I went on to study in college or university business and French so although I was doing makeup part time, we went on to Mac for the year. I was doing freelance. So I would be on TV. I'd write about beauty. I'd covered a lot of facets and also taught a lot of beauty, which I loved. I was still doing my four year full time degree. So when I graduated, I thought, OK, I'm in a situation now where I don't want to give up beauty. I absolutely love business. So how can I amalgamate the two? And essentially that led me to starting the brand just out of uni. Fantastic. So gosh, so actually, you know, you you had that business background um, and that real that grounding. And when you started the business, was it as sculpted by Amy? Was that way how you started? And that's the brand that you've stuck with since uh, in those early years, Amy? Yeah, it is. But it's a funny starting point because I was actually only naming the first two products that I was bringing to market because, you know, I went into this completely naively, like invest in my own money. There was no co-founder, co-investor still isn't. It was just I have an idea of a formula that I really want. I want to make it easy. I was so used to teaching simple steps to make people feel good in like five minutes. Contouring was huge at the time. It was so overcomplicated, so much misinformation and misuse of product, in my opinion. That my first product was this trio palette to make sculpting the face easy. So I was naming that palette. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, hang on a second. I actually really enjoy this and I'm selling this and I can do more. And that eventually then became the brand name. 
And so you've got a couple of parts to it because you've got obviously the the beauty business and the products that you sell, but you've also got the academy, haven't you, Amy? So talk about the academy as well that you have. Yeah, so the academy is very much in terms of my heritage. I think if you'd asked me and I'd come on your podcast as a 14-year-old, I would have said I wanted to be a teacher. And that obviously took a turn when I got my love for beauty and kind of discovered how much I love business. But teaching beauty is a great way for me to appease that part of my desire, I suppose. And it's always been a really important part. It was invaluable to me before I started the brand because I really understood my consumers' concerns or maybe the same questions they were asking. And then all of a sudden the light bulb starts going off and you're like, actually, I can actually help this or I can fix this or I can create a product for it. So the academy is definitely a lesser part of the overall business because obviously the product is the business that scales. But it's a super important part to me in terms of our integrity and also maintaining that how we make it easy approach. Now, listen, let's 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 go back a step. Let's go back to young Amy growing up as a kid. um, You know, I was reading your bio and in there there's a lovely reference to kind of being very, very young at two years old, playing with your mum's red lipstick. And so talk about your childhood growing up in in Ireland um, and, you know, siblings. What was family life like for you back back in those days? So we have a tiny family. I always refer to them as small but mighty. Um, I had a gorgeous childhood. I was so happy. I was always very much happy-go-lucky throwing my hand at anything be it sport academia Um, I have no siblings so I'm an only child and it's only me and my mom so we have a really close relationship I think you know my mom is full of grit never takes no for an answer took a career change at 40 decided yeah I'm going to go from pharma to property like complete 360 and I think I've learned so much of her attitude to life and that of course you can or no better woman, off you go. And I think even subconsciously that's propelled me forward more than I've even realized. So young Amy was, yeah, love and life, happy spirit, really close to mum, open to whatever life threw at her, probably didn't understand kind of how ambitious I was until kind of later years. Um, But I was still that kid who would sell like the lemonade in the front garden and stuff. Do you know, there was always some sort of business mindset there creeping out, waiting, waiting to take over. Oh, fantastic. So what, what did your mum say when you told her that you were going to start your own business? What was her response? Mum is very relaxed about all that I throw at her that happens in my life because some things are so random and so big and she just kind of takes them in her stride as well, although she gets so excited. So I think when I first said to her, you know, the, the usual questions, OK, and do you have enough money and how are you feeling about this? But you would never go into details in terms of like the logistics the actual operational side that I probably have to have figured out, which I didn't at the time, by the way. And then she's like, okay, Ames, yeah, you can do this. Off you go. Excited for you. <laughs> she sounds like an absolute powerhouse of a woman. What's your mum's name, Amy? Uh, her name is Claire. Claire, Claire, wonderful Claire. What a great start you you gave Amy in this wonderful business life that she's actually on and uh, this journey, this incredible journey. Fantastic. And so so listen, let's talk about, about um, image and kind of body image and makeup and I think I guess probably maybe more of the uh, confidence that that comes behind sort of you know being made up and 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 feeling good about yourself and you know I often think about this sometimes it's like putting your armor on you know especially as a woman in business you know I mean the phrase 
I'm going to put my face on is, is, is actually, there's a lot more to that than, you know, it's something we say quite flippantly, but very often I think it is around, you know, making ourselves up so that we feel that we're in a good place to take on whatever we need to address, whether it's work or relationships or just kind of being present in the world. So how important do you see the connection between kind of makeup, body image, uh, with people's confidence be that male or female actually what what are your thoughts Amy I think it's huge and I think it's actually one of the main validation points of why we exist as a brand so for us we have three non-negotiables we make people feel good we have multi-purpose products that make it easy and we do it quickly so we're queens of like a five minute face so we have a very, what we refer to as like elastic customer, which we're so proud of. So it comes from my background as an artist. I would be doing bridal parties and there would be like a junior bridesmaid, a bride, a mother of the bride, and then the granny of the bride. And you have to be sure that your kit would suffice to any age profile or skin tone in front of you. And we still carry that to this day. So we would have a portion of people say over 50, over 60 in their 30s, 20s. It really spans the whole generational group, which is amazing because everyone deserves to feel that good. And like you said, there's so much rooted in that confidence. But at the same time, I think we would never pitch ourselves as, you know, mask yourself or cake yourself in these products to feel good. Like there's a lot to be said for your natural self, which we're all about. But just like this slightest tweaks or the few products in your makeup bag that you put on. And it's also like a bit of a well-being routine for people in the morning. You know, it's like for a busy mom, that's their five minutes themselves. If they can get it with a cup of tea, if their kids are hanging out of them on the other days. And actually, you just like you said, you feel ready for the day. You feel a little bit more present. You might feel a little bit more prepared whether it's psychological or not. It makes a difference. And I used to say all the time during COVID, I would kind of half joke you know, I get that we're not solving the world's problems here. Like we're in the fluffier side of the world and we're proud to be. But if we're making people feel good, then that's our job done. Mm, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I often have this kind of conversation with my my partner, Chris, and he'll always say, oh, I prefer you when you don't wear so much makeup. And why would you put your makeup on? And, and, and very like nine times out of 10, I'm actually doing it for me. Do you know what I mean? Of course, you're presented a, you know, an image and you're, if you're on screen or you're in meetings and you're doing whatever, you know, I get that. But very often, even if I'm just slobbing around the house, I just feel a bit better if I've got a bit of mascara on, which sounds ridiculous and anything. Oh gosh, have I got like, am I like really insecure as a person that I can't be my, you know, own natural self? So I don't know, do you see that tension with, with people sometimes that you work with? Yeah, but I think it's totally natural to want to feel good in yourself by putting the effort into yourself. So like you said, ironically, most of the time it's for no one else but your own self to actually look in the mirror and go, right, I'm ready. Whether that is putting on a nice colorful outfit, simple things like brushing your hair, which sounds so basic, or like you said, putting on the slick of mascara and a bit of concealer to go face the milkman if they're dropping in groceries or you're heading out to the shops. I think it's all part of our makeup. And I think there's something really lovely about it because it's also like little treats for ourselves instead of feeling like you have to do this. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's about being, I, I guess it's about being your authentic self. It's, it's a word that's overused, authentic leadership, you get it all the time. But I think it's about finding what's the right formula for you. And, and hopefully, you know, you're, you it does give you extra confidence and, and allow you to face the world in a, in a way that's congruent with what you're all about. Um, so, so I think it's really important. Can we talk about aging a little bit? Okay, so I'm a lot older than you, Amy, and I'm at the age where, you know, there's a lot going on, right? 
menopause, all this kind of stuff. And some days you kind of go, I've got no symptoms. Other days you go, oh my God, I've got all of them in one go. So as we age and as women, you know, I think sometimes, you know, society is not always kind. Let's let's put it that way, you know, and especially with I think with um, the the lens applied to sort of women in particular, you know, if it's a guy, he's kind of getting distinguished and a bit of salt and pepper, and you know, whereas you know, for a woman that's picking up a few wrinkles, you know, sometimes you can be quite get some quite brutal people that will be very judgmental about older women. I'm a big believer in beauty at any age. And actually, it's not all about trying to look 20 years younger necessarily, but just about being, you know, someone like Helen Mirren, for example, great role model of someone that's just beautiful. But of course, she's, you know, a sort of, a, of a, an older, older age. So what are your thoughts around the industry and how the industry possibly doesn't always help older women with the confidence and sometimes society can be quite judgmental and cruel as women age. You're dead right. Society definitely unleashes opinions on a lot of things, uh, which is not always kind. But, you know, it's funny, it's a topic that comes up a lot in work when we do discuss kind of what customer we're speaking to or maybe who this product is most suitable for. And again, we always try and be for everyone and we always try and make sure that we fulfill that promise. I would have never really thought about the fact the industry doesn't cater to women of all ages because we always have done as a brand. It's like inbuilt in my nature from doing such a spectrum of ages. And then at certain events, particularly over the last two or three years, when we've come back in person, so many women come up to me and say, thank you so much for making me feel involved or thank you so much for representing me. And it really hit me because I was like, oh, my God, these women really feel left out or left behind from a lot of brands campaigns. And I get it. Everyone's TikTok obsessed or Gen Z obsessed, but there's a huge portion of the market. So even emotions and feelings aside, it's silly for a beauty business not to go after that customer who probably has more disposable income, probably cares more about the products that are going on their face and wants that quality. So yeah, it's definitely been like a, a watershed moment where I've realized, firstly, I'm thrilled that we are catering to that customer, but how important it is because they really do feel left out in a lot of ways from others. So how do you how do you um support that older that older customer? I know you say the products, you know, it works whether you're 20, whether you're 50, 70, whatever, but are there specifically different approaches, maybe um, ways of applying makeup you know because your skin does change and you know what might have worked in your 20s potentially needs to be slightly different formulation as, as your you know collagen changes etc so are there any specific things that you do differently because of a, a slightly older kind of skin um, that you're dealing with it definitely comes to formulations first. I think we actually ironically don't do a lot of things differently we just show that customer a lot so our products, like you said, can work whether you're 20 or 102. I think with makeup, less is more in every case. You can still have all the products, but you maybe don't put the four layers of each product on the face just to feel good or feel like you have your full face on. So our technique is always that kind of your natural signature self approach, which generally does transient age groups. I think the biggest thing that I mentioned at the start that we do is we actually show it on a person of that age profile. So if you're you know, part of our community, maybe you're a customer, maybe you're a model, we often get people involved in campaigns who are those real people. So when you're watching, you know, we always look out for someone who's maybe blonde in my age group. And I say, that's what it'll look like on me or someone who's brunette of a certain age will go, right, that's me. 
people want to feel seen in campaigns or in content. And I think so much is consumed online now that the easiest way that we do it is we give simple tips, but we do it by showing that profile to people so they feel seen and heard. Yeah, no, that's great. And you talking about social media. I mean, you obviously you've got a very significant social media following, in particular on on Instagram. You know, so whether you're you might be watching this on YouTube, you might be you know seeing it on your on your Instagram, etc. But social media is such a big part of business today, whether you like it or not. Actually, it just is. Right? <laughs> it's a big part of society and the way that the way that we run. How important has social media been for you in in building and um, establishing the business in the first place, and then taking it to the next level that you're at now one word and that is huge like you said I think any business person who sits in front of me and says no social media isn't for me I'm like you need to go back to your priorities because it is basically for everybody it's played a huge role even from the beginning um, I never started this brand with a huge profile and thought, oh, this is fine. You know, I can leverage my Instagram community and it will work. I always knew I was going to work at the back end of it and had to, which I was really excited about. But naturally, social media was going to be part of that. So my own profile has kind of grown simultaneously with the brand because I would show a lot of the unfortunately real, unfortunate behind the scenes sometimes and the issues and all that that goes with it. And then obviously you have the brand page. So Outside of leveraging, you know, relationships with influencers and how much that can really grow and scale a business, it's also a fundamental tool for us to fulfill our promise of how we teach and make it easy. It's a very visual content platform. You know, we can give content every day and simple tips or looks to create that people can follow along with. So coming back to the kind of makeup academy sense of we're constantly giving education to customers so that they feel empowered is huge to us. So I think you have one side, like I said, with influencers and partnerships, which is a really big part of the marketing world now. And then you also have the other side, which is how you tell your brand story. And it's so instant. Like the amazing thing about social media is you have a launch one night. It arrives at someone's inbox the next day. You have instant feedback. Like it's incredible, I suppose, how fast paced it's made the world. And obviously it's caveated so many other changes as well. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and social media, you know, I mean, it, it's like anything, isn't it? it? It's got it's got good things about it. And it has negative aspects as well, you know, and sometimes I think, you know, social media can present a version of the world that is not real. And that can put a lot of pressure in particular on young people, I think, around body image and, and those aspects. So, you know, what strikes me, Amy, from chatting to you is that you're very, um, you're very value driven, you know, that that upbringing that you had, that closeness with your mum, etc. And when you started the business, you know, what your reason why is, is very strong. So have you had situations where you felt conflicted between almost the business side of putting something out on social media, say, for example, versus more of the, oh, Am I, are we actually doing this in a way that is true to our values or incongruent? Do you ever have that tension or, or has that not been a thing for you? So we're lucky in the sense that we have a hashtag filter free faces. It's our most synonymous hashtag with us as a brand. And that has always been a part of the story for me. So it's funny, back in my makeup artistry days, I was not filtering the makeup looks, to be honest, nothing to do with the confidence or or body image point of view, more so because I felt it didn't make sense to be showing product on people because otherwise the colors distorted and stuff. Whereas it's now become a much stronger pillar, I suppose, for us and that we represent real skins, real textures like everybody has. But of course, you know, you can feel conflict sometimes when, say, you're pitching a campaign 
and you'll work with suppliers who they want their work to be shown in the best light. So they might want to tweak or they might want to do some things and you have to really put your foot down and say, no, we're not filtering. We don't Photoshop. So if we have to capture something else now in a different light, let's do it now because it won't be done in post. And there's always ways to be improved on. And it's such a big area and topic that, you know, there will be lots of more positives to come and we have lots more work to do. But so far, we've been very consistent on that story. And I think it definitely feeds through to that kind of approachable nature of us as a brand and making people feel like we're actually accessible and they can actually use the products themselves because it feels a little bit more real. Yeah, it's so important, isn't it? I mean, you know, well, let's talk about we'll talk about business and your approach to to sort of being a business owner, business leader um, in, a, in a little while. But I did a post the other week about the importance of ESG, so environmental, social and governance. Um, and more and more, you know, businesses are doing the right thing because not just because they should be doing the right thing, but actually commercially, it makes sense. The customer wants it. The, you know, the consumer is voting with their feet. And, and I think that whole kind of ESG, B Corporation sort of space is a really important one and is becoming more and more so. And um, I'm sure you know, but Elemis recently, well, a few months ago, got B Corporation status and they're owned by Lotiten. I can never pronounce that properly, by the way, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but you're clearly in that sort of genre of beauty um of wanting to to kind of you know be be putting things out to the world in a very real way that that match your personal values and and your brand um have you thought about you know going down that b corporation status yourself amy or what watch because it is a very it's, it's a robust um you know it's not an easy thing to get is it it's quite quite challenging but what are your thoughts yeah, I'm actually laughing and smiling to myself because I would say two weeks before I got married, I came off a call about B Corporation and essentially like all of the different topics within it, you know, the areas that you would either have to have activated that you need to look at, that you'll be scored on. It's huge. I would say it's super impressive because if anything else, and we didn't say get certified straight away, it really positions your mindset of an action list of what you need to tackle. Like you said, not even commercially for a business, but to actually do your part as a business in the wider world space. So it's something that we are going to start. Um, I have no idea how long of a road it's going to be, but I think that all ties into when I say, you know, we have lots of work to do. Like we are ambitious in terms of what we want to be as a brand and how we want to show up. It, things just take time and you're constantly discovering and learning. So fingers crossed. I mean, it's amazing for, for Elemis to have gotten that because I know even from reading that initial document, it is no mean feat. It was like when we got Leaping Bunny approved, obviously quite different. It's our vegan and cruelty-free status. It was super thorough. I mean, the level of paperwork and documentation, but then you have so much more respect for it because you understand the rigorous testing to actually get into something means it's really worth it when you do. Yeah, talk about Leaping Bunny then, because that's something that I'm not so familiar with. I, I've obviously heard of it, but I'm I'm probably because I'm not in your industry as such. But talk talk us through around what that means and how important it is. So Leaping Bunny is the worldwide certification that your products are cruelty free and vegan certified. So it is like the highest approval, I suppose, and certification that you can keep your customers assured and also you know your factories etc that you are fulfilling this promise so it goes back to say raw materials they would have access to factories they might do audits etc and yeah it's based on your formulations which is super important to us 
Yeah, fantastic. So, I mean, you're already clearly doing a lot in the space. So, yeah, the next natural thing for you to be would be to go for that B Corporation status. But like you say, it's a journey. It takes time, but it really puts you a razor light focus on all of those areas of your business, your systems, your processes, your governance, what you're doing for D&I, what are you doing around sustainability, what are you doing around, you know, um equal opportunities there's so much in there isn't there but what um what an amazing thing to sort of you know to be on the start of that and you've already done a lot um in the right area as well so i can't wait to see that journey for you guys it's going to be exciting really good i think that's the right word i think exciting is is exactly it because you're you know discovering so many areas that maybe we wouldn't have considered or that we're just expediting into plans so fingers crossed yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the business side of things. How 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 big is how big is sculpted by Amy? You know, when you look at the whole thing and you've got the academy as well, how how, how large is the organization? I mean, obviously it's confidentiality, but you know, the sort of metrics that you are you are able to share. What give, give us a sense of uh of, of how the business has grown. Of course. So the business is six years old. We have 55 people on the team, which includes retail staff. We have um our HQ in Dublin. We serve as three main markets, Ireland, UK, and the Middle East. We operate a wholesale side of the business. So we have 70% wrapped up in, say, retail partners like Boots, 30% online. We have two owned flagship stores, one in Grafton Street in Dublin, and one in Kildare Village in Ireland. And then we have two more to open, Belfast and Victoria Square, and potentially some expedited news around London this year. Um, more to be um, we have grown 100% year on year, still um, totally 100% ownership in my own name. And yeah, we're, we're very much on the journey of scaling and growth. Started with two products. We now have over 100. We service every category in terms of eyes, lips, face. But complexion will be our, our biggest area and our biggest repurchase rate. Oh, fantastic. Gosh, you must feel so proud of it. Oh, yeah, but your lovely mum, Claire, is like, oh, my God, that's my girl. Go, girl. <laughs> a true confession. My mum, if I put a black sack around me and tied my shoelaces, she'd be like beaming in the corner. Well done, Ames. I'm so proud. <laughs> so it doesn't take much. <laughs> but- <laughs> You're being very humble. You've been very humble. And that's that's a lovely quality to have. But um, so, you know, obviously you started the business and now you're scaling the business. And, um, you know, my, my world of business has been much more in the corporate space of running very large kind of global travel businesses, you know, often FTSE 100 businesses, et cetera. So, you know, and, and now I work with a lot of SMEs and, and advise a lot of different businesses at different stages. But uh, it is different starting to scale in. Um, you need different things. And I always say, you know, what got you there won't necessarily get you where you want to get to. So and that's fine. That's just that's just part of a business evolution. What was the hardest thing for you, do you think, when you started? Very good question. There were so many things that were so new to me. And I think one of my best qualities is that, be it naivety or maybe just not thinking too far ahead. I don't stress myself out about the unknown. So I'm just like, oh, yeah, it'll be grand. My favorite sentence in the world is it'll be grand and how Irish of me as well. So at the start, <laughs> no business plan, just had the products mentioned earlier about operation, the logistics hadn't considered any of that. We thought I'll be grand. Um, but I think at the very beginning, my biggest challenge in the early days was actually my manufacturing partner. 
So I think that naivety of like people always have your back or they always want the best for you. Sometimes a business, the reality is they don't. And that's fine. You make great learnings from it and you grow as a person, grow as a business, et cetera, and you move on. But that was a big challenge because I switched manufacturer within my first year. And obviously you're dealing with quantities, you know, that are smaller. So you don't have as much buying power in, in a factory, but also you've got buyers on the other side and the retail teams wanting stock. And you're trying to bluff your way through the fact of like why you're actually making this transition. So all of that was a massive learning experience, but I actually have no regrets because it introduced me to my South Korean partner who we still work with, who produced majority of our business. And they are incredible and have been a super support as we have grown and scaled. Cause obviously orders have gone from one thing all of a sudden to an entirely different number, thankfully, um, with demand. So, yeah, I think the manufacturing at the beginning was definitely the biggest learning. Yeah, and interesting what you said, you know, almost, I suppose, I love that, it'll be grand. Um, so that might be, that might be the epitaph. <laughs> when you when you when you depart this this world amy maybe you'll have a nice bench overlooking somewhere <laughs> amy connelly it'll be grand you know that might be the that might be the quote on the bench but no i love that attitude of just throw yourself in you know don't worry about it too much and we'll figure out the rest you know and i think that's a that's a great skill to have especially as an entrepreneur not to be put all the blockers in in the way but you're right sometimes people don't necessarily have your best interests um, at heart. And the people you surround yourself with, both in terms of business partners, suppliers, et cetera, but also people in your life, I think can be the material difference of whether you push on ahead with your dreams or if you let maybe some of those negative voices around you hold you back. How important has been having the right people in your life, whether it's mentors, coaches, you know, good friends, you know, your mom, et cetera. How important has that been on your business journey, do you think? Huge. And I would say even not so much on the business side, but also the personal side. You know, I value my friends so much, probably given I'm an only child and, you know, have obviously had the most amazing emotional year with like hen parties and weddings and stuff where I really think, and this sounds really sappy, but like the true friendship that you have is so important with those people who are still in your lives. You know, we've been through school and uni, et cetera. So even from a personal point of view, I would say I am a very social person, but I would say my inner circle is quite small to really like get through my barriers, not to sound like a really cold person, but like to really feel like you're one of my people. And I would say in business has been the same, probably because my journey has been as a solo founder. And still is, you know, that can be quite lonely. So the people around you is vital so that you can vent or rant or query or question. It's funny you mentioned mentoring and coaches. It's not something I have brilliant people in my circle to reach out to you for coffee. And I'm so blessed that people are so giving of their time. And like you mentioned, each part of a business or every year you're at a different stage and require different needs and have different questions. So it's been so helpful but it's actually something that I put on my own to-do list when I came back from the wedding, which is now, so it starts from now, is to build a better, I suppose, more constant list of who a coach is or who a mentor is, or maybe a board of advisors, because I'm at the stage now as we scale, being really honest and vulnerable that I'm feeling the pressure and I'm so excited by it, but it's all new and you haven't done it before and the challenges are bigger, the stock purchases are bigger, you know, the people are getting bigger. It's all getting bigger, which is amazing because we have that demand and it's growing. But if I'm being really honest for myself personally, I also need to look after, I suppose, my own self 
in that process and just have a bit of guidance there. Yeah, hundred percent. And and you know, listen, I think it's great to recognise that. You know, I mean, for me, I've had a very different kind of career journey, but I've always had at those real pivotal moments of either growth or crossroads or new promotions, you know, the first kind of director position I had, the first MD position, when I went international, when I became an entrepreneur, all those kind of pivotal moments. I've always had either a coach or a mentor formally in my in my life. And it has categorically always, always helped me really take that jump, you know, and that leap, but really with a safe space of, of someone that's kind of, I would say a good mentor or coach is they've got, um they, they've got a, they're interested in you, but they don't have a vested interest in some cases. And that gives you that neutral, that neutral kind of support where someone's not, they're not going to take your bullshit. They're going to call you out, you know? <laughs> Because they want the best for you. And that's healthy. You know, you want to welcome that, like you said, in a safe space where you're not like, oh, hang on a second, this person's totally unhelpful. 100%. You know, I mean, like today, I mentor people of, you know, whether they're in senior exec roles and they're about to kind of get, you know, the, the top job or that's what they're aiming for, or business owners that are wanting to scale up and grow, you know, because everyone is different and everyone's situation is different. But I think, you know, having that, that the right people around you is so, so important. And, and you can't have the answers to everything. You know, we, we're all human beings. And I think it's, you know, one of the, the smart, aspects of being a strong leader is recognizing that you don't have all the answers and you've got to have smarter people around you to to actually you know help you help you grow and and it's almost let go to grow <laughs> to a certain degree you know yeah let go to grow it's dead dead on 100%. yeah yeah Fantastic. So obviously we talked a little bit about when you started the business and some of those challenges in particular on the, the kind of production side. Now you're in this scaling phase. You've already identified that, you know, you'll probably need a bit more of a support structure around you in terms of a bit more, whether it's mentoring, coaching or non-execs or a kind of board to support you with your growth. As you're growing, um, what are the what are the things that you've enjoyed most about the scaling up part? Oh, I've never been asked that question before. Um, I think for me, it's the excitement of where we're going. It's like that firm knowledge deep in your gut that you can do this and that it's going to happen. And so trying to remind yourself, even when times get tough, like how exciting this is. Like I often try and trick myself, you know, if you get a bit stressed and you're like, okay, there's a lot going on. There's this, there's that. And then sometimes I'm like, I sit there and I go, okay, let's reframe this to how exciting this is happening because it's my first time and I'm learning and whether my mind believes it or not, I'm trying to make sure that that I do. Um, so yeah, I think the biggest things I've enjoyed is obviously watching the team expand. I feel such pride in my people and I think I'm probably quite a sensitive person naturally. So the people element is really important to me and always has been and having like you know, skill set aside the right people around you that also fit the business. And I think we've been so lucky to date. And I think, you know, people often say, what are your big pinch me moments? And obviously you have the classics, you know, you launch across the UK, you walk into store, you see your product, they're all amazing. But there's something about a random Monday morning when you walk into the office and you hear the buzz of everyone chatting, they're having their coffees, the desks are full and you're like, holy crap, like this is 55 people that I am funding their lives for, which is terrifying, but equally like unbelievably satisfying and humbling. So 
yeah, there's so much wrapped in, but probably all of the news and that feeling that like it's happening. You know, you've got that fire in your belly, like we're going, we're on the road now. Journey has started. Yeah, you know, you you touched on a really interesting point there around the power of words, really. And sometimes whether that's the the voice in our head and the the internal kind of language that we might use, you know, or words that maybe come out of our mouth and sometimes maybe we've not chosen them so carefully. But, you know, I, I was listening to... Um, something on YouTube the other day and it and it was um Sylvester Stallone and he said something in this particular YouTube motivational video I love listening to all that kind of stuff and he said words are like verbal bullets they can shred you and I thought that was really like a powerful statement because you're right if you're telling yourself oh I can't do this I can't do this I'm not good enough well then your subconscious brain is going to believe that right um I'm a big believer in all of this as well Amy and and equally we have to be so careful with the words we choose um whether it's with the team or whether it's to ourselves because there's always two ways of looking at something isn't there the glass is always half full it's an opportunity or no oh my god I'm terrified and I can't do it how how you frame it it's the same situation no it's all trickery but you're right it's like you choose your side and hopefully the side you choose is the one that pushes you forward which I definitely try and train myself to even if I'm like sitting in a fire going things are bad Um, (laughs) yeah it's it's so I think you know one of my biggest learnings of like the entire journey so far and like you touched on earlier like we have so much road to go and I have so much yet to learn but touching on the people side like when you have a business idea you think of the product, you think of the finish, you think of all those details that you want to get involved in. No one teaches you how to be a manager and how to deal with people. And they are single-handedly the biggest variable in your business because they have a load of emotions going on. So I actually feel, given I've grown up with this business in my 20s, I have grown so much as a person from having to be so mindful of who's around me, how I'm speaking, am I being encouraged? Am I leading? Like, am I actually being a good leader? And you have so many of these like, look at yourself moments and really go deep inside yourself going are you doing the right thing are you you know leading the right way and it's been fascinating to be honest and I'm sure that's only going to become an even bigger part of the journey but that has been one of my biggest standouts that you come in totally cold like no one tells you what to do and then you just have to go off instinct and hope that you're growing the right culture around you yeah hey listen what Amy I'll let you into a secret right the reality is we are all winging it every day (laughs) <laughs> Every day. Doesn't matter what whether you're running a multi-billion dollar business or you're a solopreneur, we're all figuring it out as we go along. That's so so lovely to hear because I constantly tell myself that Asher ah, sure, grand. Back to be grand or back to I don't know what I'm doing. Um but yeah, it's come. <laughs> Honestly, I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of business leaders for for the podcast in particular and over, God, I've been in business 30 years, you know, running large teams myself or with the people that I've kind of been lucky enough to, 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 you know, get to know along the journey. And um, yeah, people are people, you know, even even if you're the most sort of on the outside together business leader that's running huge global corporations underneath that. You know, we've all got our own little foibles, insecurities, things that we're working on, doubts, all that kind of stuff. And and I think that's quite comforting, you know, that we're all just figuring it out as we go. <laughs> I'm going to take that with me after this podcast now. We're all just figuring <laughs> it out. <laughs> exactly. 
And as long as you're doing the best you can do in that moment, yeah, I always ask, ask myself, have I been, have I done my best today? Or have I have I ducked a difficult conversation? Or have I played small, you know? But if I can honestly say, you know, I know I've genuinely done the best I can do today, that's that's great. That's yeah. grand. Yeah, exactly. It's grand. <laughs> you know, but uh, I think the key is that, you know, you, d- you don't want to sell yourself short. You know, you've got this huge potential and, and there are no limits that there genuinely aren't. And it's so exciting to to hear the journey that you're on. And, and Amy, what do you do to be kind to yourself? You know, you've talked a lot about, you know, just sort of that positive self-talk. But I think so often we can be so hard on ourselves in business and in life. You know, we'll beat ourselves up for the, I don't know, something we've not done or we might have a hundred amazing reviews on social media we'll read one that's not so positive and we'll hone in on the one you know so we're not often kind to ourselves but what do you do to try and be kind to yourself my being kind to myself is focusing on things that I really like to do so I found exercise particularly over COVID and I find that invaluable whether it's a walk or a run or a class I really find it just de-stresses my mind and almost just kind of distracts you and you know gets the good endorphins going after so that's been huge for me. Um, love going for walks with John, my husband, like chatting things through. He's always got a great interest in what's going on in the world. And he's such a sound perspective on things. So even though he's not in the detail of the business with me, he will always have a good opinion, I suppose, to give. Um, and then I love socializing with friends and being with mom. So all very basic stuff, but things that I suppose take my mind off things, distract me, bring a bit of, you know, variety to what my day-to-day is and um make me feel good yeah no that's great it's so important isn't it and sometimes you know let's not take life too seriously you know I always sometimes say well well how bad can it be you know unless someone is actually going to die through this process yeah. relative to that anything else is is manageable I actually I always joke you know if things are a little bit like things might be going wrong and the officer were at this one particular launch or whatever it might be and we're worried that something's going to hit the fan I'm like okay guys let's regroup here we're not saving lives we're selling makeup so it's okay I actually feel bad for the people who are saving lives who cannot use that (laughs) excuse to calm with themselves and they're at the the operating table I'm like I couldn't and I also forgot one vital thing that I do for myself and that is a cup of tea and chocolate I would have it 17 times a day and I'm absolutely tea obsessed Woman after my own heart, see, I'm a, I'm a northerner, so I, I'm like at least five cups. It's got to be Yorkshire tea for me, I'm afraid. I am a Lancashire girl, but there is only one tea. Yorkshire tea is the one to have. I see. I, I don't think I've actually tried Yorkshire tea now, I'm afraid to say. Well, yeah. you've got to get you've got to get on it, Amy. You've got to get on it. <laughs> we'll have our meeting in person next time with Yorkshire tea. <laughs> Followed by a nice bottle of something. It's cold. <laughs> with some champagne maybe (laughs) fantastic no that's great and and amy you know what's what's the big picture for you you know if we say the sky's the limit you can achieve anything you want where where do you where do you see yourself heading with the business but also yourself personally what's the big goal the big purpose if you have it already kind of scoped out what would that be so business first i truly believe that this will be a fully global brand like i think that we can and will be you know the billion dollar business that broke the beauty industry but also that is like a legacy brand for many more years to come whether I'm still fronting it or not 
I think from a personal point of view, I love business. I adore it. I feel energized by it. I'm so excited by what's ahead. So, you know, for however long I can lead and grow sculpted, I will do that. And I will most likely get involved in many other businesses after because I just have a love of growth and watching things go from concept to market. But I think on a personal scale, particularly say with the growth of Sculpted, I always say that as much as I want this brand to go big and I believe it can, and it's it's so basic, I really want to do it the right way. And I want to maintain to be a nice person. And I think I can. I think I am nice. I think I'm doing that. But I think, you know, keep your head about you, keep grounded, but grow something really special that you're super proud of. So that's my ultimate legacy goal. Yeah, no, brilliant. And I and I have absolutely no doubt at all that all of that will come true, you know. And, and I think having those great kind of purpose-led and values, it keeps you true because you you will have on your journey ahead so many big decisions to make. And sometimes they may be in conflict with some elements of that. But I always think if you can come back to your reason why, come back to your values, your purpose, even when you're making the toughest choices, you'll make the right ones because you'll remind yourself why you exist and why you're here. You know, it's just a beautiful thing, right? It is. It's really special. I think you're right. Like they're so important into the reasons why and making sure that you keep yourself grounded. Like I said, when things get tough and decisions get bigger and possibly in conflict as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so Amy, when you think about, you know, your journey so far and you're still all, you still are very young, you've got a long, long runway ahead of you. Um, you know, can you think of the best piece of advice that you've received or a really good piece that stayed with you for a long time? One of the best pieces of advice that I've been given is that issues will always happen in business. It is a thing. Do you know, sometimes the fires will be tiny and sometimes they'll be big, depending on what it is, but it is all in your reaction. So I think I have grown so much as a leader to be solution focused and to not totally panic if something does go wrong. Also, you become a bit numb to things that might not go your way. You know, sometimes it could be something tiny like a misprint and then sometimes it's a bigger impact on the business. But leading by example and being solution focused has been fundamental to me growing this business and keeping my head particularly for the sake of those around me and the team looking to you straight away going, how do we navigate this? So yeah, it was a, it was a brilliant piece of advice that I was given quite early on that I've put into practice basically after year one. Um, And it will definitely be with me forever. Fantastic. I love that. Yeah, that's great, actually. So people, anyone listening to this will, will get a lot from that, from that as well, I'm sure. And you know, when you look at the industry, um, who inspires you the most, do you think, Amy? Because there's a lot of brands out there, there's a lot of organisations. Are there any sort of standout in, influence, either influential brands in your space or particular individuals that have inspired you on your journey, do you think? There's lots. I think we're blessed with so many, particularly female role models in the last few years that have really come to the forefront and are really paving the way and kind of setting the examples. I think in terms of our industry, you could not look at someone like Charlotte Tilbury, who, you know, started as a makeup artist and has just scaled beyond belief in quite a short mm-hmm. time frame and really gained market share. Um, so I think what they've done is brilliant to really rival, you know, the heritage brands that have been there and kind of not moving for years. 
I think on an individual basis, you know, Joe Malone's story will always really impact me. I think she was super entrepreneurial and such a lovely person to meet. Sarah Blakely of Spanx, you know, particularly that she didn't take funding or investment till a good few years into her journey. So you see a lot of parallels or so you'd hope between certain people that really inspires you, I suppose, in terms of the journey that I'm on. So, yeah, I definitely love listening and reading to to lots of different founder stories. I also adored, do you ever read Shoe Dog? Phil Knight. Yes. Yeah. Fabulous. So, so good. So yeah, I like to keep, I suppose, inspired by, by listening to all those stories, but also, you know, there's something lovely in reading the down points as well that people went through. Cause you're like, yeah, this is normal. Like, yeah, they got back up again and yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's true. I mean, you know, we shouldn't be afraid of failing at stuff. I mean, arguably if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough, right? You're in your comfort zone. So it's, it's great to fail. That's where you learn. You know, that's where the growth comes, isn't it? Fantastic. And so, you know, for this year, it's it's a big year for you. You've got a lot going on. Um, if you were to describe this year in, in one word, what would that word be and why? That word, I suppose, to, to span the personal events that have happened and the business events that are happening would be growth. I think on a personal level, you know, getting married is a big milestone in your life. I think it's really exciting. You're kind of like stepping into the next phase of life together. I think on a business scale, um, the scaling nature of the business has been huge this year. You know, really having those kind of growing, teething problems that are always going to arise and kind of how you figure them out. But ultimately, that end goal of growth is there. It's happening and it's like slipping under our feet slowly but surely. So, yeah, loads more exciting things to come on that journey. Oh, amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah, I love that word growth. Yeah, I think that sums the year up perfectly for you on personal and business perspective. So yeah, fantastic. And you know, the podcast is called Brave Bold Brilliant, as you know, when you hear that, what does that mean to you, Amy? You know what, it actually, again, the whole theme of kind of scaling and growing the business, but you can tell that's where my mind is consumed by. For me, it really speaks to that. Like you have to be brave to push yourself forward you have to be bold to stand out and have people give people a reason to convert you or try you and you have to be brilliant and consistent at what you do to be sure that you really break through the noise and grow the right way so for me it like totally encompasses from that topic I think perfect see there was a reason why we got together it was it was serendipitous Amy it was meant to be it was meant to be but thank you so much where can people track you down Amy because I know you're all over in lots of different platforms but if people want to connect with you what's the best way they can find you so I'm on Instagram personally at Amy Connolly underscore com and the brand is at Sculpted by Amy and then I'm also on LinkedIn for those who like that channel or platform as well Oh, my word. Amy, I've loved our conversation. I cannot wait to see what's going to happen. I honestly believe the best is yet to come for you. You've achieved so much. But seriously, I'm so excited for the future for you. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for having me. I adored our chat. I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review.